getting there where we're always surviving. We're sometimes thriving, and we are just trying our best to make it. I'm Amanda, and I'm here with my lovely co-host. And I'm Ellie, and this podcast is produced by Her Campus at Loyola University, Chicago. Today we're going to be talking about something we alluded to in our last episode when we were talking about New Year's resolutions, and that is diet culture. And before we start, we just want to make a disclaimer that some of the topics we're going to discuss may be triggering for some listeners regarding eating disorders and disordered eating, body image, and other topics along those lines. Um, Your safety is important to us, so please take care of yourself in whatever way you need, even if that means not listening to this episode. Yes, I second that. We won't be offended if you need to take a take a break from listening to us this episode. Um, But I'm so excited to talk about this. This is a topic I've been wanting to talk about forever. Well, since we mentioned it last time on the podcast. Um, And I'm just really excited to get into it. Um, But before we start discussing how to fight diet culture and all the intricacies within that topic, I wanted to just take a minute to talk about what diet culture is and kind of define it for our listeners or anyone who doesn't know. Um, And a really good definition that I found on the internet is from one of my favorite kind of influencer people. She's a registered dietitian and an intuitive eating coach. Her name is Christy Harrison. Um, She has a great podcast and a lot of great books that I'll mention later in the episode. Um, But her simplified definition of diet culture is that it is a system of beliefs in our society that both equates thinness to health and elevates certain ways of eating over others. Um, There's obviously more nuances to it than that, but that's the basic premise of what diet culture is for those of you that don't know. We'll get into the nuances. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Plot twist, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's literally everywhere. Spoiler alert. Um, But anyways, um, I wanted to just ask you, Amanda, like what was your kind of experience like growing up with the women in your family and were you exposed to diet culture at like a young age? Um, I will say that I think my parents did a very good job um, raising us with the with like the food that they fed us and everything. It was definitely a good balance between, you know, like getting veggie fruits and veggies yeah. and getting protein and that kind of stuff, but also still having meals that we genuinely enjoyed. Um, and like, you know, we would have, we would go to McDonald's sometimes and we would go out to eat. Um, and there wasn't really a whole lot of guilt involved in that. Um, a couple years ago, my parents started this diet. Uh, it was called the 17 day diet. I don't know. They all have, they all have I've actually never heard of that one before. Um, yeah, I feel like they found it in like a book from a library sale. So I feel like it's one of the like, it's niche. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but ever since then, I will say there's definitely been like a difference in our like relationship with food. Um, I do appreciate like they never made us as kids, like do the diet diet with them. Yeah. I know that is common, like for some people and that can lead to problems later in life. People that grow up being put on diets. Mm -hmm. So sad. Yeah. I do also want to point out that it's not just women while like it is it is definitely more prevalent in women like I know that my dad sometimes will say things that's like oh like do I look like I eat healthy and stuff and it's like what does it matter just kind of remarks like that that 
are steeped in diet culture, but that generation Mm -hmm. kind of doesn't know it. Like, I think my parents are similar. Like, my mom has done Weight Watchers and that kind of thing, and Mm -hmm. she's been on and off diets in the past, but that was just the cultural norm. Like, she didn't know any better. I definitely don't fault them at all for that. For sure, yeah. And my dad has said that he's, like, no carb for years and has, like, these different food rules, and they just Mm -hmm. have their, like, specific things. And I wouldn't necessarily say that they feel a lot of guilt if they break their food rules. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know for some people that's the case. And I think that's when diet culture really starts to get in the way of like yeah. living your life and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah. What was your experience like in college then? Did anything change as far as like seeing diet culture or being exposed to it? Um, I think it's it's tricky in college because it's definitely – it's difficult to – maintain a healthy lifestyle I think in college when you're restricted to the dining halls and stuff and so I think I just kind of fell victim to like the thinking that that eating less was better and that kind of thing because the options available to me weren't always the healthiest yeah um and so I think a lot of it was kind of on my own but then also remembering the the rules of the diet that my parents went on and um after my freshman year, you know, I, I did in fact gain the freshman 15, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about that later, but that whole concept oh is gosh. just the worst. It's absolutely the worst. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then that's the summer after my freshman year, I did end up doing the diet that my parents did because mm-hmm. I felt like I needed to, and that it was the only way that I could like, yeah, get back to the what body I was. That you once had. Right, right. Exactly. Um, I think in the past couple of years, though, especially living on my own and, like, cooking for myself, is I've really just been able to, like, enjoy food a lot yeah. more than I have I before. Yeah, I think the process of making it becomes way more enjoyable. Oh, absolutely. Just, like, being able to feed yourself. Like, I had such an issue with the dining halls as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's really difficult in college. Did you want to talk a little bit more about your experiences growing yeah, up for in, sure. in college? I had, like, such a different experience growing up. Like, my parents weren't ever big on cooking. Like, they do time and time again. Like, my dad loves to grill, and my mom will cook, but she always says that she hates being in the kitchen and that kind of thing. So growing up, I was a really picky eater, and I was vegetarian for a while because I really loved animals, but I never cooked for myself. So I was basically just eating, like, mac and cheese and, like, carbs and, like, Nothing that was really, like, nourishing me or giving me energy. Right. um, Which was difficult. And then, like, I grew up dancing so much that I would have to go from, like, practice to practice. And I never had time to, like, really sit down and eat a full meal. So I would Mm -hmm. just be, like, getting any kind of food that I can. Like, Subway, my mom would bring me in between dance practices. Like, noodles and company. Like, literally anything. So I ate out quite a lot. And I didn't have, like, any, I don't know, food rules or restrictions because... Mm -hmm. I didn't ever really think about what my body looked like growing up. It would, I kind of was immune to it until, like, middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. And that's when things – like, you start to become self-conscious. Yes. And you see that other people are dieting, and you're mm-hmm. like, okay. And I remember, like, my senior year of high school, I stopped dancing as much as I did. And, like, going from exercising, like, 20 hours a week to, like, mm-hmm. nothing was, like, such a hard step for me. Oh, I was yeah, like, sure. what am I doing now, yeah. you know? And I suddenly had all these fears that, like, I was going to gain weight and I was going to, like, my body was going to change and I just didn't know what to do. Um, and my best friend at the time, like, she went to a gym near us and I signed up to go to the gym with her and we would go, like, every day after school. And it became, like, a fun thing for us to do. Mm-hmm. But, like, within that, 
we kind of both developed like very disordered eating habits together mm-hmm. and like disordered like gym going habits. Oh yeah. That's yeah. definitely a thing. You know, and they go <laughs> hand in hand for, oh, for sure. sure. Like yeah. one kind of fuels the other. So that was like my introduction to disordered eating and like I I did dance team for a little bit and so I was dancing at the same time I was going to the gym and like I remember that summer going into college I had the biggest fear of getting the freshman 15 because everyone mm-hmm. like makes that like everyone fear mongers about that oh absolutely and they're like oh absolutely. that's the worst thing that can happen to you and they just talk about it like it's inevitable yeah spoiler alert sometimes you need to gain weight as you grow older because your body just needs that yeah. like you need extra calories like yeah. that's okay your freshman Literally. in high school body is not sustainable it's for your not. entire life like your body shouldn't always look like that <laughs> so anyways I was so so scared of that um at this point like I definitely had food rules like I had my own like diet going and I feel like it was so hard for me to like stick to what diet I had made for myself with eating in the dining hall because Mm -hmm. the food is just kind of really crappy at Loyola. No offense to Loyola staff. I just... There are some good things sometimes. Sometimes. It's uh, It's usually... Once in a blue moon. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I had just like the hardest time and like freshman year I had a really hard time making friends um, and just like finding a group of people. So I think like first of all just going to college, having this huge life change feeling really isolated and alone, having all of these food rules going into it and just like so much going on at once, like really was so hard for me. And it caused me to like develop even more disordered eating habits. And I just remember like it being such a hard year. And at the end of the year, like my parents had noticed I had lost like a significant amount of weight and they were worried. And so were my friends. And I was like, nothing's wrong, whatever. But eventually I like came clean to my mom and I was like, I think I have a problem. And she was like, I think you do too. Um, So we eventually like went to a dietitian and a therapist. I had been seeing a therapist for a while, but I stopped seeing one my freshman year because they didn't really have them on college campuses. Mm -hmm. I think that was also an issue because sometimes you just need therapy. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so that summer is when I was diagnosed with anorexia and my whole kind of world flipped over. Like I realized I had to like take this seriously and like actually recovered to be able to go back to school my second year mm-hmm. because my parents were genuinely so worried they were like we we can't have you going back to school if this is going to happen again you know right. because it was a health issue at this point so that summer I went into like a month-long treatment program and it was like a partial program like I would go there every day and do my thing and like come back so that was like my big intro to recovery and ever since I've just been like on the upward path of recovery like we have our highs and lows but right yeah, just recovering from the eating disorder that took over my freshman year. It was really awful. Yeah. But now we're getting back on track and like, I'm just so passionate about fighting against diet culture now because I see how much it took away from me during that time. Mm -hmm. You know, like I feel for a lot of people that freshman year is a time of like growth and change and they have so much fun at college. And it was quite the opposite for me. Um, So yeah, that was a lot, but (laughs) full disclosure on my experience. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, And I'm also very impressed that you were able to like recognize yourself that it was a problem. Yeah. That I think that takes a lot of like, of knowing yourself and a lot of um, strength to be able to like come to terms with that. For sure. Yeah, definitely. And I have even more so since like being in recovery, like you don't really realize like, how much of the eating disorder takes up your life until your brain is actually fueled enough to think straight, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's, like, half of getting better, I think, for sure. Um, But anyways, getting back to, like, where we see diet culture, I have seen it so much on college campuses because of my experience, and now I'm so passionate about, like, fighting it on college campuses specifically. Um, But where else do you think it's, like, most prominent? 
I definitely think we kind of hinted at this in our last episode again with the New Year's resolutions, but just like commercials for all these different diet services like yes. Weight Watchers and all this stuff that just shows people how how, hap- how much happier they are after they lose weight. And like if that's a, if it's a genuine health like problem, yeah. then like that can be valid, but it's just it really validates like bad feelings in other people that they think they need to lose weight in order to be happy. Um, and I think that's just incredibly problematic. (laughs) It is incredibly problematic. And also I do think, you know, like I go back and forth because I think there can be maybe like health benefits to losing weight, but a lot of times like doctors prescribe weight loss like for unrelated health afflictions Mm -hmm. and they think that's like a cure-all for everything but I definitely don't think it is um and like there's something to be said for like eating your vegetables yes like definitely want to do that but your body like knows what it needs and if you were to just like listen to it rather than following a diet like it's gonna want vegetables at some point so you're gonna get them in exactly (laughs) like you don't have to be stressing so much about it I've literally found that my body craves vegetables I like never thought that you know you're so used to craving the sweets and stuff especially if you are restricting those things Mm -hmm. but like Literally, your body craves healthy food. Like, it does. Literally, And I know because, like, after a weekend of, like, going out to eat and, like, having pizza and, like, a bunch of different things on Monday, I'm like, I really want a salad. Yeah. Like, that sounds good. Yeah. Sometimes I am browsing Pinterest and, like, the best-looking salad will show up and I'm like, oh, my God, I need that right now. Yes. Wow. So that just goes to show, like, your body really knows what it needs. It knows what it's doing. And half of the reason that, like, we crave sweets and we crave these things so much, like fast food and whatnot, it's because, like, we are in a scarcity mindset. Like, if you tell your mind, like, you can't have this, this is bad, you, you're you not allowed to, like, eat it, it wants it more. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And when you're on a diet, what happens to your hormones is just crazy. Like, our bodies experience dieting as a stressor, and that's because when you're going on a diet, you're usually cutting back on calories, cutting back on food, and your body thinks, oh, crap we're in a famine. We don't have access to food. I was going to say, your body thinks it needs to hold on to whatever you're putting into it. Yes. So your body like stores that extra food in case it's going to run out because it doesn't know the difference between you intentionally restricting and literally there being a lack of food. Mm -hmm. So like I always, I always think of it in like this example of like you hear people losing a ton of weight at first when they start their diet and then they can't lose like quote those last five pounds. Mm -hmm. That's because your body wants to hang on to that fat and like that extra you know, food because it's scared it's not going to get it again. Yeah. So that's literally your body fighting to protect you. It's not a bad thing, (laughs) just so you know. But then again, diet culture makes people believe that that is a personal failure and that they're at fault for not being able to maintain the diet. Oh my God, yes. You know, it's the diet that's failing them, for real. I also want to point out that, like, quote, those last five pounds Mm -hmm. is also, like, the pizza nights that you have with your friends exactly. and, like, the Snaps. wine nights and the ice cream. Yeah, like, that, like, it's your life. It, right. Those are the moments, like, you're not going to look back in 50 years and be like, oh, I shouldn't have had ice cream that night. I really needed to lose those five pounds. Right. You're going to remember the memories of you and your friends, your family, or whoever, like, coming together to share a meal or have fun and bond over food. Like, yeah. that's what it comes down mm-hmm. to, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I also think... What else dieting does to your body that's 
detrimental in my opinion it's like it slows down your caloric intake like we talked about like when, when you have like a lack of calories it's slowing down your metabolism to be able to hang on to that and then also your hormones get absolutely messed up because of that and like it can take so long to recover from these things mm-hmm. like after going through treatment and stuff it took me like months just to be able to have my body feel okay again mm-hmm. and it messes up your digestion so much as well Yeah, I've read a lot about different cases of um, girls with eating disorders that, Mm -hmm. like, they stop having their period. Yes, that happened to me. It's called, I think it's called hypothalamic amenorrhea. Yeah, that's, like, the medical term. I'm impressed that you remember that. Wow. (laughs) Yes, but that's a serious issue because if if your body doesn't have enough in it, like, enough energy to produce a period... It, it doesn't have eno- enough to do, like, basic functions. Right, You exactly. know, so then you know, like, something's getting messed up. Mm-hmm. More evidence of how just diet culture takes things away from your life. I wrote a paper about this last semester, and I also did a speech on diet culture and why people should stop dieting. So that's why I bring all of this up. Um, but there was an experiment done around the time of World War II, and it's called the Minnesota Starvation Experiment, which is so interesting because I'm from Minnesota. Um, But during the time, a nutrition researcher, his name was Ansel Kays, wanted to understand, like, the effects of food rationing and semi-starvation so that they could contribute to the war effort. So I think it was a test group of 36 men who also wanted to help with the war were put on a diet um, starting at about, mm, I don't remember the calorie amount, and I don't want to be triggering, so I'm not going to include that. Um, But basically after, I think, like, a few weeks, their amount of calories was cut in half. So they were essentially in a semi-starved state for six months. Um, And I do remember reading that the calorie amount is way more than is prescribed for diets nowadays. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Incredible. Um, But what they found out in the experiment was that when the men were in a semi-starved state, they became so obsessed with food. Like, one of them wrote an entire cookbook during the time of the study. Some of them stole food and binged it. Others, you know, reported episodes of bulimia. And some men even exercised so that they could specifically get more food rations. Um, And the research reported that their mood went from, like, normal to being just apathetic, irritable, depressed, like, all of the bad feelings you could have. Yeah, And it's just because, like, their food was taken away. Like, when you don't Mm -hmm. have food... Your mind is going to make you think about food a hundred times time. more so yeah. that you're more likely to go get some. Right, exactly. So if you're dieting, think about like how you crave things more or you just want to eat more and then you think, why mm-hmm. am I so obsessed with food? I always want to eat. Your body is telling you to do that. Your body also um, releases a hormone called ghrelin, which is your hunger hormone, and that's increased a lot when you start dieting because mm-hmm. your body's like, please give me my food back. Yeah. Please. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to bring up that study because I thought it was a really interesting example, and it's also from a while ago, so yeah. we can see that like the effects still hold true. Also, it was done on men, which I thought was really interesting. That reminds me, too, actually, that it was, like, um, you said during World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend right now who is in the Army. Oh, no And way. she was going to um, basic training over the summer. And they have, like, a certain weight that they have to be, depending on yeah. your gender and your height, there's a certain weight that you have to be in order to enlist and, like, perform your duties properly. Interesting. And so that just, like, first of all, that shows, like, how subscribed, like, society is to diet culture. Like, it's literally ingrained systematically. Oh, for sure. Um, But she was saying, like, like, it's a ridiculous amount like a ridiculously low amount of weight that she has to reach in order to in order to enlist and it's like 
she was really, I know she was very frustrated because she was performing all of the like physical tasks that you have to do. Like she was running the two miles and the time limit Mm -hmm. and she was outperforming some of the guys even. But wow. but she was not the weight that they wanted her to be. See, that's where I'm like, it, there's such a disconnect with diet culture because it equates thinness to health. And for women specifically, I think that having more weight on your body can mean you're healthier a lot of times. Yeah. Like having that body fat percentage, which is usually higher than that of males, is a good thing for women because we have a whole entire reproductive system that we have to protect right. and maintain. Mm-hmm. So we need more food a lot of the time. Yeah. And like... I know just personally I'm way healthier than I was when I was my thinnest, right, you know? Right, Like, why does diet culture do that? <laughs> and, so then, anyway. and, like, the more that you have, the more weight that you have, the more that you can, like, the stronger you can be. You exactly. Can, you can lift that amount of weight yes. and you can do all this kind of stuff, these different things with it. And it's just, like, that, like, your physical performance, especially in the case of the army, like that to me should be far more important than how much you Agreed. weigh. For sure. Because that's just a number on a scale. What right. is that? That For all of our listeners, that does not define you at all. Like it's simply a number mm-hmm. and it can be ignored for a good measure. Yes. Um, but you did bring up that diet culture is systemic and I wanted to touch on that a little bit because genuinely what diet culture does to fat people is like villainizes them and discriminates them to discriminates against them at an institutional level. Yes. Like the way that we don't have seating for fat people. Oh my god. The way that yes. if you're a fat person and you get on an airplane, you might not be able to fit in the seat. Have you read Hunger by Roxanne Gay? I have not, but now I want to. Oh, I listened to it on audiobook okay. actually over the summer and it was incredible. I loved it. But she talked about that mm-hmm. and I was like I can't believe I've literally never thought about that. Yeah. Shame on me, but also, like, shame on the world. That's, like, thin privilege, though, is, like, being able to walk into a store and find clothes that fit you. Right. Or, I don't know, like, you can discriminate in the job, the workforce as well, like, Mm -hmm. if you're a fat person. And if we all think about, like, what we think of fat people when we see them, we assume that they're lazy, they eat too much, like, Mm -hmm. all of these really terrible things without even knowing them. Yeah. And that's when I realized, like, I have some deep internalized fat phobia that I need to check. Oh, me too, me too. Um, I think what brought it to light for me was um, Lizzo, honestly. Yes, Lizzo. Because she's always posting, she's always posting about, like, how she eats healthy and she Mm -hmm. exercises regularly. And like, I've, I've never seen her live, unfortunately, but I have seen clips of her performances. Yeah, she's fantastic. She's she's dancing, she's singing, Mm -hmm. she's beatboxing on the flute. Yeah. And like, isn't out of breath. Mm -hmm. Like she is absolutely astonishing to me. Yes, you can't be healthy and physically fit and still fat. Yeah, I was gonna say, clearly she is in good shape. Yeah. And, but she's still fat. And so it's like, that really brought it to light to me that like, First of all, how people discriminate against fat people. Yeah. And second of all, how thinness does not equal health. For sure. And, like, that's why I understand the concept of skinny shaming recently got brought to my attention. I was listening to this podcast today. Um, it's by Gemma Styles, um, my favorite person's sister. Happy birthday, <laughs> Harry. Happy birthday, Harry. <laughs> and she had on her podcast um, a really fat-positive, um, plus-size black model I'm forgetting her name, but I will definitely find it somewhere in our show notes. Um, But basically, she was talking about how skinny shaming is a thing. And, like, I understand that people experience that. And, like, Mm -hmm. I would never want to invalidate people's experience. Right. But 
you're not discriminated against at an institutional level. So it's not the same as fat shaming at mm-hmm. all. And also, you still meet the thin ideal and the beauty standards of this country. So it is just different. Like, yeah. it's not quite the same as what fat people experience. Mm-hmm. It's just not. And yeah, I love that we talked about thin privilege because that's something that's been a hard concept for me to grasp because I deal with all these body image issues and I don't necessarily see myself as thin all the time. Mm-hmm. But yet I have to understand that I hold thin privilege simply because I can go about living my life and not be discriminated against by how I look or how much I weigh, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Yeah, it's a concept that I don't think enough people know about. Um, but it's the same as like having white privilege or financial right. privilege, right. you know? Exactly. For sure. It's the, yeah, it's those kind of things that when you are in that position, you don't realize it. And like, it, it, yeah. it's bad, but like, that's just how it is. Like, it has to be brought to light to you somehow. Otherwise, you won't like be able to recognize it yourself. Yeah, for sure. I also think that um, another one of those like systemic things is just clothing sizes in general. Yes. Like, I just. I don't understand why they're always different. (laughs) They suck so bad. I just, I can't even explain my hatred towards women's clothing sizes. And we were talking about this earlier today, but you brought up how like men's clothing sizes, like for the pants, it's like, okay, you have this length of inseam and this length of the waist. And that's Mm -hmm. the same at every store. Yes. But for a woman, it's like size 25 waist might be a size... 30 at another store yeah. waist and it's like how did the inches get different right <laughs> I don't understand I remember um, my senior year I was shopping for homecoming dresses and I was at Macy's mm. so like within the same store I tried on one dress that was a three zipped up perfectly tried yeah. on another dress that was a 13 couldn't even put it on that's so wild to Excuse? me but I've had experiences like that too and I'm like what's going on or it's like a pair of jeans at the same store but they're like a slightly different style of jeans yes <laughs> So I'm not the same size, I see. Um, Yeah, it's really difficult. But for anyone that does struggle with like, we'll talk more about kind of our ways to fight back against diet culture later in the episode or in part two of our episode, if we still do that. Um, But for anyone that does struggle with that, it can really help just to either ignore the size, grab a couple sizes before you go into the dressing room. And then when you get home, like, with the size that you like, just cut the tags out. You don't need the size. That's the so tag. genius. Yeah. And grab, like, multiple sizes when you go into the dressing yeah. room. So, you know, like, try on the biggest one first mm-hmm. and then work your way down, not the opposite. That's so Something smart. Something I learned in therapy. <laughs> that's, that's literally so smart. Yeah. Yeah. I know I've definitely, like, felt discouraged if I went yeah. into the dressing room and something was too small and then you have to go out and get a different size and you yeah. do that like walk to get yeah. it and you're like oh or my sometimes God. <laughs> sometimes I like will just put the piece of clothing back because I refuse to go up try it size. on again yeah yeah I'm like, like no nope, I don't even no. want it anymore yeah I feel that and it sucks because I've always like considered fashion to be a big part of my identity I love to express myself through what I wear mm-hmm. and for a while like trying on clothes was so triggering I was like I yeah. can't do this and I don't know like how to get back to that part of myself you know mm-hmm. and I don't think that anyone should have to like silence a part of themselves that they really like resonate with like their self-expression through fashion just because there aren't sizes that are made for them that's ridiculous yeah, yeah. And why do plus sizes start at size 12? That seems like that's actually like an average size for women. (laughs) It really is. I like that. I didn't realize that at first, but it was, I was watching a TikTok actually. mm -hmm. Um, Brittany Lancaster. I I love her. I just listened to her podcast today. I love her. 
but yeah, she was the one who I first saw it through and it was like 12 is like the incredibly average size for women, which I knew, but I didn't realize that plus sizes start at 12. I know it's crazy. That's insane. I'm really happy more brands are becoming size inclusive nowadays, Yes, but there still is a lot of work to go for Mm -hmm. sure. And it's almost, I don't know, hard to say like average size because most women, yes, are that size, but there's so much body diversity. Right, you can carry your weight in different places. Yes, in different places. Like, people say, oh, you have a pear shape, an apple shape. Like, we all got different shapes. Yeah. (laughs) They're so different. And, like, that's okay. It's supposed to be like that. If we all look the same, like, that would be boring. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, I think people always think that if you work out and eat, quote, healthy, that you'll be able to look any size you want. But so much more goes into health than just what you eat and how much you work out. If we mm-hmm. all ate the same and worked out the same amount, we would still look we different. We would still look different, Because yes. there's different genetic makeup in people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I there There's this one um, account that I follow. It's uh, I don't remember her name, but her uh, Instagram handle is healthy is the new skinny. I love which that. Which I love. Um, but she, like, posted on Instagram one of her tweets mm-hmm. that said... Like, if you are eating healthy and you're exercising and you're still, like, quote, not losing weight, like, maybe you're at your body's ideal weight. Yeah, like, Your body's ideal weight is most likely not what your mind's ideal weight is. Yeah, that's so true. And so if you are eating healthy and you are exercising a fairly regular amount, like, you are doing just fine. Oh my gosh, love that. And exercising specifically not for weight loss, but just to move your body so yeah, that it feels good. Yeah, just to good. feel good. Like joyful movement is what mm-hmm. my therapist keeps telling me. <laughs> but another thing I learned from her that kind of goes along with this is like your body does have a set point. Your body has a weight that it's most comfortable at. And yeah, that's probably different than what your mind perceives it to be. Because a lot of times I, like, people will lose some weight and they're able to maintain, like, a lower body weight, but they find themselves kind of bumping back up to that higher weight Mm -hmm. or, like, in times where they're not controlling what they eat as much, like, they just put on some weight. Mm -hmm. And my therapist has always been like, if that happens, then there's a chance your body needed that. Yeah. Your body wants to be at that weight. It wouldn't just go up for no reason. Right, exactly. And that was one of the other things that this account that I mentioned, Healthy is the New Skinny, also kind of emphasized – Um, Because she has started, like, weight training a lot because Mm -hmm. she wants to, like, gain muscle and be stronger. And she did this, like, in-depth, like, analysis of, like, her body weight and also her muscle mass and her, like, lean um, mass or whatever. I don't know exactly. Um, But, like, between the year, like, she had gotten so much stronger and put on so much muscle mass and just, like, felt better and also gained weight. Like, that is what happens sometimes if like I think a lot of people don't realize that if your goal is to like get stronger then you'll your goal, have to gain weight yeah you won't necessarily yeah. lose weight like too like that's not always a simultaneous goal that you can have as yeah well. for sure also can we talk about how like you might weigh something different in the morning than you do at night oh my god like your body's not supposed to stay exactly the same without yes. like within a day or like <laughs> after a good poop like, like you drop a pound it just happens No, but seriously, and, like, people always talk about, oh, like, I'm going to lose my morning skinny as soon as I have a cup of water. And I'm like, yeah, you're going to lose your morning skinny. There's no food in your stomach, and you need food to survive. Like, we romanticize, like, this skinny moments or, like, moments Mm -hmm. where we feel thin, and it's just so toxic. Yes. You know? That was another thing, one of the – 
the things from the diet that my parents went on actually was that you were supposed to weigh yourself every morning to be able to track like how much of a difference it made (laughs) and my mom was like oh yeah you can see like between yesterday and today like I went down a pound I'm like okay I went down (laughs) I went down five pounds like between last night and this morning yeah I don't know I I don't know what that's (laughs) supposed to prove but okay another thing with that is like I don't know, the scale is toxic in and of itself, but using it to say, like, oh, I lost, this is no shade to your mom, she's doing her best life, she's (laughs) living her best life, but, like, saying, oh, I lost this many pounds, or, like, really flaunting your weight loss, it's, it's good, I want to be able to congratulate people that do that, because I know a lot of the times they put in the effort, but Mm -hmm. in our society, we treat losing weight as, like, the most amazing thing someone could do, right, and it's, it's really not, um, I, for, I lost my train of thought a little bit, but I really have a problem with um, before and after pictures. Especially. Oh my gosh, I could go on for days. Um, and that's another thing where it's like, I want to celebrate people if this is like something that they've accomplished mm-hmm. and something that they're proud of. And if it was like in a healthy way, mm-hmm. but you don't always know. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, you don't want to reinforce behavior that's actually toxic. Right, exactly. I don't want to say, Oh, congratulations for losing ten pounds if this person was insanely depressed the literally. entire time, you know? Well, I literally could not resonate with that more. I mean, when I was really in my eating disorder, I clearly had lost weight and people would always like ask me like, What's your secret? They would make comments and or like, to Oh, me, you look so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was absolutely glorifying and just reinforcing my disorder. Right. And I felt so, I felt even more alone and like I had to maintain the body that I was at because now people started to notice. Mm -hmm. People were praising me for how I looked even though it was the most unhealthy thing I could be doing. Right, exactly. You know, so you never know what's going on behind closed doors and you don't want to like praise that behavior because that could really be triggering to someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, A lot of times I like to, I will just say something like, Oh, I'm glad you feel good about it. Or like, I'm, yeah, that's really, that's a good way of putting it for sure. Even although maybe they're saying they feel good about it, but they don't necessarily feel good about it. I don't know. I think some people really lose the ability to stay in touch with how they feel. Yeah. I think some people go on a prescribed diet and they hold themselves to a strict regimen and they Mm -hmm. think that that's the answer and that that's quote, making them feel good. But I don't think it is a lot of the times. Also, yeah. like, your body might feel different, but how good does your mind feel? Mm-hmm. Are you always thinking about food? Are you constantly waiting for your next meal? Or, like, things just get really cluttered up there when yeah. you aren't properly nourished. Mm-hmm. Um, I remembered my train of thought that I was going to talk about. <laughs> with, like, good, losing, with, like, losing weight and stuff, like, there's this idea that, like, if you can lose weight and keep it off and keep on a diet or stick to it, that you have willpower. Oh my gosh. And I yes. absolutely hate it. Yes. Like your body is actively fighting against you dieting. So like mm-hmm. that's not to, that's not like a testament to your lack of willpower just mm-hmm. because you want to eat a cheeseburger. Yes. Like people think that that is the worst thing you could do. Yeah. Like break your diet right. and like or if someone is really rigid on their diet then they're amazing because they have willpower. Yeah. I absolutely hate that word now. <laughs> I know. I felt that definitely too and it's it's like a personal thing more than other people, but I remember um, my sister one time was talking about how every day for breakfast she has a hard-boiled egg and a clementine, and I like really like felt 
that I was failing because I yeah. was ha- I was having more food than that because yeah. I had a bowl of oatmeal for breakfast. So I was yeah. like, oh, I have failed. Like yeah. I don't have that that power, and that is a really it's bad a sh- way. It makes to me be feel about so myself. crappy too. Yeah, you're like, wow, I'm the worst person because I can't do this thing. Yeah, and like, like me and my sister are different people. Like exactly. me, like a hard boiled egg and a clementine like fills her up, and that's good for her. But right, people need different amounts of food. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's okay. No, I I think there's absolutely a problem with comparing too. I mean, I do it all the time with like my roommates or like my family. I like will think about, oh my god, I'm I eating more food than them should I not be doing that Mm -hmm. like I just have to think about what does my body want right now you know it doesn't serve me at all to be comparing my plate to other people's right because exactly everyone's needs are different yeah yeah for sure it's difficult to overcome all of these things and we've talked a lot about like what the widely accepted diet culture practices are um but another one that I absolutely hate is the trend of intermittent fasting like, can we just touch on how that is just glorifying eating disorders for, yeah. like, one second? <laughs> yeah. I really – I can't believe that that has become as accepted as it is. Like, I know. when I was first hearing about it, I was like, what's the point? Like, I know. I, I truly – it's one of those things that I just truly do not understand at all. Yeah, and I don't even fully understand, like, what the regimen is for doing that. Like, I – all I understand is that, you know, you go, like, long periods without eating or having, like, water and that kind of thing. Um, but where I really get lost is, like, what are the benefits? Like, how does yeah. that make anyone feel good? Right. I don't understand. Like, if that's your thing, like, more power to you. I'm not trying to hate on anyone. But I don't really get it. Like, I don't – I just don't understand how – you could like justify being hungry after 8 p.m. Yeah. And then being like, no, it's after 8 p.m. Like, like the God thing forbid is, yeah. I, I have a granola bar right now. You know, like <laughs> a granola bar. Our bodies aren't robots though. Like our bodies want food when they want food. They don't understand it's after 8 p.m. and you're right, dieting, you know? Right. And like they time want- is made up anyway. Time is literally fake. <laughs> But, like, also, I would also harp on myself all the time being, like, oh, my God, I'm so hungry today. Like, I need – I, like, want this extra food. And I'd be, like, that seems, like, too much for me to have in a day, more than I usually have. yeah. And I was telling my therapist about this, and she was, like, you're not a robot. Like, you need, like, more food some days than others. And, like, that's just okay. You know? Yeah. I've definitely noticed um, a lot of, like, trying to justify hunger and being, like – Oh, like, why am I so hungry today? Well, I mean, I did have a small breakfast and, like, I haven't eaten in, like, three or four hours, so, but it's, like, that's great, but also, like, uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Maybe you had a giant meal an hour ago and now you're hungry, like, that's fine. Have you ever, like, done that? I know I do this with, like, exercise as well. Like, in the past, I'll be like, oh my god, I worked out for X amount of time today, so I deserve to have... Yes, X amount of food. That must be why I'm so hungry. Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you're I, like, I worked out, so it's fine. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you'll be like, oh, I, I had like a workout today, so that means I get dessert. Yeah. Like something like that, you mm-hmm. know. And it's like you don't have to exercise at all to earn your food. Yes. Food I, is an unconditional thing that you need. Yes, I've tried to like say this to so many different people in yeah. my life. Like, you simply do not earn food. Like, you you simply, just simply no. You just eat when you're hungry. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. Literally, I like just PSA to literally everyone. You have unconditional permission to eat food at any point, whatever you want. 
who's going to stop you? Yeah, really. <laughs> Who is going to there stop you? There is so much more to life than focusing on what you're eating at every second or how many calories are in a cookie. I just want to say. Yes. Think about, like, how much it takes away from your life. Like, I just know, like, when I was so focused on food and what I was eating and at what times I was eating, like, I, I wasn't enjoying anything else. Yeah. You know, it takes mm-hmm. away so much pleasure. Right. And that's the thing is food is – food can be for pleasure too. Like we yeah. consider food as fuel, which it is, mm-hmm. but there is an aspect of food that is for fun and for enjoyment. Right. Like why else would there be birthday cake? Exactly. Like, I love exactly. Birthday cake. Like, exactly. <laughs> and are you going to skip out on birthday cake just to stick to your stupid keto diet? Like I like, really hope not. Like no. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a good – um like conversation to have with yourself too and it's a good way. I like to – there are – certain questions when I get in that mindset that I have to like take a step back. Oh, I love this. Myself, I can't wait to hear the questions. Like really how sustainable is this like thinking? And mm-hmm. like, if you are, sometimes I get in the habit of like, Oh, I have to eat perfectly today because like I'm going out to dinner tomorrow or whatever. Yes. And it's like, how sustainable is that thinking? Like, mm-hmm. do I want to be doing this my entire life? Do I want to be making myself work out when I don't feel like it? Do I want to be yeah. forcing healthy foods into me when I don't crave them? Mm-hmm. Like, do I want to be doing that my entire life just so that I can maintain a certain look or a certain weight? Like, no. No, absolutely I, not. At what point does it stop? Like, Yeah, and it's also such a slippery slope. It is. Like, you can start off with one thought, and then the more that you – you know, give into those thoughts, it can develop into eating disorders and mm-hmm. or disordered eating. And that's why I think diet culture is so dangerous. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And um, what was I going to say? I think it also has to do with the slippery slope. Like I said, I'm losing my train of thought again, because there's just so much coming to my mind. Oh my gosh, we have Obviously, so many feelings about we this. We have clearly so many feelings. We've never been like this hyped up for an episode. <laughs> like before this, we were talking about it today too, has so many ideas. Um, but I'll, I'll talk about it when it comes back to me. I can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> um, but yes, there is such a fine line between being healthy and being obsessive. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to because like you said, I, I want to be able to praise people for health and trying to pursue health, but weight loss is not the only way to do that. Right. Exactly. You know, I think we talked about this, this kind of relates to what we talked about in our new year's resolution podcast, like try adding things into your life rather than restricting or taking Mm -hmm. them out. Yes. Like, say, like, oh, my God, I'll eat a vegetable this week. That's great. Or, like, I will get X amount of sleep. Sleep is important. Mental health is important. Sleep is so important. Stress levels. That Mm -hmm. all contributes so much more to your health than what you eat. Yeah. I think what else I was going to say is our bodies like diversity with workouts, with food. They Mm -hmm. like that. And – your body is so, so smart that, like, eating a cookie, like, one day out of the week is going to change absolutely nothing. Nothing. In the long run, like, mm-hmm. literally nothing. Like, or if you have ice cream, like, maybe your stomach will hurt a little bit after if you eat a whole pint, but, like, you're going to be fine the next day. Yeah. And you're not going to gain a significant amount of weight from eating one thing. Yes. Like, you have to have sustained, like, more calories in order to do that. Right. And so, it's the same thing that you think of, like, if you think about the people who always say that they're struggling to lose weight. Yeah. Like, it's, you almost struggle to gain weight too sometimes. For like, sure. Because your body, like, wants to be at the set point. Like we right, said, it just right. wants to stay there and hang out and chill. Right. Like, yeah. one thing, one thing is not going to make you gain weight. Just, like, one thing is not going to yes. make you lose weight. And I think what's even more unhealthy is, like, people go on these diets and lose a bunch of weight, but after they quit the diet because 
frankly, the diet isn't sustainable. Um, the statistic is that 95% of people gain the weight back and the diet doesn't work. And that weight cycling is what is really unhealthy and causes mm-hmm. a lot of health problems for people. Oh, it's yeah. bouncing back and forth mm-hmm. on the weight scale. Um, yeah, and it's it's terrible. But yet, like, the diet industry profits off of this. It's a $72 billion industry. That's crazy to me. And, like, think about it, though. Like, the more... The more, like, unsustainable products that it gives to you, the more you have to keep buying from them and keep giving them money. And that's how they, like, keep profiting off of your insecurities. Mm -hmm. If no one cared, like, how thin or how pretty we looked, the beauty and diet industry wouldn't exist. Yeah. Capitalism. Can you imagine? (laughs) Can you imagine a world without those things? Right? Oh, my gosh. I I know. I, I honestly can't because we are so, like, ingrained in it from a young age. Yeah. Yeah. Capitalism. Capitalism. (laughs) That was how I ended that very, like, (laughs) profound sentence. Anyways, this is not a political podcast, (laughs) but (laughs) thanks for listening. Um, But, yeah, like, how sustainable is this? When does the dieting stop? Do you really want to live your whole life, like, counting every calorie? Like, I think we work so hard on prioritizing how we look and how we Mm -hmm. are perceived by others, and we don't ever think about if we're happy in those moments. Yes, yeah. Um, I I really got into a thing. um, My first semester, sophomore year, um, I have always enjoyed – I used to have a Fitbit, and I always enjoyed just seeing, like, how many steps I got and stuff. And then I downloaded the app, and I saw that you could track your calories on there, and I was – intrigued and so I started doing it and I was like for for a really long time I was just like I was just in a very bad place um yeah so this was your sophomore year like yeah sophomore year of college so yeah it was it was not I was not where I wanted to be and that was that those were a few of the questions that I asked myself was like do I really want to, like, be scanning the QR codes yeah. on all of these? Not QR codes. Yeah, but, like, the, the package labels. Yeah. Whatever. Do I really want to be scanning everything yeah, that no, I, I eat for the rest of my life? I, like, went through this phase with my fitness pal too, which is, like, an app on your phone if you don't know what it is. And, like, it would just be, like, well, how many calories are in your apple today? And I would be, like, looking things up and, like, frantically putting in the amount of calories. Like, who cares? Yeah. Like, literally, who cares? Yeah. It's I so also, I really don't like that, um, like, treadmills and a lot of, like, exercise equipment mm-hmm. will automatically tell you how many calories yes. you're burning. I know. Like, I don't want to see that. Like, a I lot wanna... of the times that's not even accurate, too. Like, right. Because everyone's body is different, so you yeah. all, like, burn calories at different rates. It's so stupid. I put my phone right over that thing. That's I'm like, that's goodbye. Smart. I should yeah. do that. Because <laughs> yes. it's like, I... I'm not on this treadmill to burn calories. I'm on this treadmill because I enjoy moving my body this way. And I want to, like, I want to work at, like, getting better, having more endurance, that kind of thing. Like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. But, like, seeing it there makes me makes be like. Makes you think about it. Oh, should I be worried about that? You're like, oh, let me just increase the speed a little bit. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. And I think, like, having an intention before you work out is what's important to make sure that it's not specifically for weight loss and it's not becoming toxic. Yeah. Um, that's something I've really been trying to work on. Another systemic issue. Yeah. Of diet culture is oh, that, definitely. Like those are just, those are just on the machines. They're like, just on the machines. Just for, for, for shits, you know. Yeah. Just for funsies. Just for funsies. Uh, I know. And I think like this whole diet culture thing is just so reinforced by social media. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of fitness influencers or quote wellness influencers like preach like, 
what I eat in a day or like here's my gym mm-hmm. routine to lose weight and like all of this stuff and they have all of these fitness regimes that they're profiting off of now. Right. And all of these like diet plans that they profit off of. Um, and it's crazy because they can be posting all of that stuff and none of those things could be true in person. Right. Also, we don't know like how disordered these people are. We only know what they post on social media. Mm-hmm. And I've caught myself so many times like comparing myself to them, comparing what I eat to them, how I look. And my therapist has been like, what do you really know about them? Like maybe they're not enjoying their life, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you could be if you, you know, just let yourself eat and let yourself move how you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We should really compile a list of, like, the good bloggers to follow because I feel like I've thought of so many just, like, in this episode. Yeah. Um, I think we could finish up the episode by talking about how to make diet culture better within your own life. Yes. And how to fight it, you know, at the individual level. Yes. It gets a little more complicated when you're moving up the ladder into legislation yes, and whatnot. But, yes. But there, <laughs> is, there is a decent amount that you can do, I think, on a personal level. And one of those things is, like, following accounts that, that support, like, what you want to support. For sure. Like, that means body – either body positive. Sometimes that, that word's a little bit nuanced, so I don't want to use that. But, mm-hmm. like, size-inclusive anti-diet accounts on all platforms. Mm-hmm. You know, accounts that are posting – People that don't look like you, people that do look like you, like everything in between. And mm-hmm. throw out the scale, delete my fitness pal, stop the calorie counting. That is so much easier said than done. But oh, if you absolutely. could work your way up to doing one of those things, I think it could have such a beneficial effect. Mm-hmm. I I can't remember if you mentioned this or not, but one of the bloggers that I follow, um, her handle is Healthful Radiance. Love her. Love um, I haven't heard of these bloggers but, yet. I feel like I follow so many. Um, but, but she suggested, like, taking down the mirrors. Like, if you have mm-hmm. a, a problem with, like, waking up and immediately checking yourself in yes. the mirror, just take it down. Oh, my gosh. I cannot emphasize that enough. I've done this a lot, too, like, within my own recovery. Like, catching myself body checking has been a big trigger because if you do it right in the morning, that sets the tone for the rest of your day. Right. And you're automatically thinking, oh, I hate how I look. And then that's your thought for the rest of the day. Right. So waking up before you get in the shower, don't look in the mirror. Yeah. When you're getting out of the shower, you turn around. You don't look in the mirror when you get dressed. Like all these little times throughout the day, you don't mm-hmm. even think about it because yeah. it's such a habit. Just not doing that. Um, and then also having clothes that fit you. Yeah. Definitely. The thing is, clothes are made to fit you and not the other way around. So keeping clothes that are two sizes, like too small, is only going to make you want to fall back into those dieting behaviors in an Mm -hmm. attempt to fit them later. And I also want to say, obviously, like, there are going to be good days and bad days of, like, how you feel about yourself. And everyone has those, though. Yes, it's not. Even the people that are the most confident. It's not a linear progression. It's definitely, like, ups and downs but on the bad days there is something to be said for putting on the loosest pair of sweatpants the biggest hoodie and just just not even thinking about like absolutely not even trying to feel your body at all or not feeling how the jeans squeeze you in this particular spot like just put on the loosest clothes you have and just do your thing like yes because wearing tight clothes can be triggering for sure you're you're just more conscious of how you look in them Mm -hmm. um so I love wearing loose clothing that's been one plus of quarantine is I can wear sweatpants every day sweatpants every day yes (laughs) but um last but not least like if you still feel like this is a problem for you, you should definitely seek professional help. We're not experts. This is just something right. we're passionate about. Right. Um, and definitely seek help from a registered dietitian, someone that's well-versed in the health at every size 
or haze kind of language, you know, that's really important because those mm-hmm. are the people that aren't going to discriminate against you. Um, there's a lot of people within the field of like eating disorder recovery that just aren't that. And it can be even more triggering for some people. Yeah. So do I, your research. I can't even imagine like going and seeking out help from someone yeah. who is only like it's encouraging crazy. the things that are so terrible for you. I've gotten, I was so lucky with like my doctors and people who I came into contact with, but I've just heard like horror stories of people yeah. that like go and then you know, like, someone that has anorexia but hasn't lost a ton of weight, like, mm-hmm. people are going to dismiss that immediately. Right, and right. And when it's it's a serious problem, yeah. but just because their weight, quote, like, isn't too low, they're not going to address it. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's really a real issue to address in the world as well. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I also wanted to just point out a couple, like, books and resources and podcasts that I like. Um, Christy Harrison, who I mentioned before, has a book called Anti-Diet – um, and she just has a really great podcast called Food Psych. I listen to it all the time. She always has really cool guests on it um, and just talks about intuitive eating and how to heal your relationship with food and your body, and I'm obsessed. Um, another great book that I like is Just Eat It by Laura Thomas. She's British and also a registered dietitian, I but yeah, it's so great because like there's some British language in like, yeah. her book. I'll let you borrow because I have it over there once oh, I'm done cute. reading it. Yeah. But she also talks about intuitive eating and a lot of like the science behind like like we talked about before, like why your body doesn't want to diet, which was right. so helpful to like hear from someone that's researched it and like mm-hmm. knows what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. We will also I just thought about this, but I'm saying it that we're gonna do it anyway, so this is gonna be okay. heads up to you. <laughs> Um, we can, we're going to list these like podcasts, yes. bloggers, books, and all that stuff in the blog posts that we do um, for our podcast on yes, our I website. Yes, about this too. So go look at our list, hercampus.com slash L-U-C. It'll be there um, so you can have those resources readily available for you. Yeah, definitely. And we're going to share this episode on our Instagram as well if you need help getting to our website or anything. Um Yeah, this was such a great conversation. I can't believe we talked for this long, but I just, I feel like more empowered now. (laughs) Yes, I definitely do. Clearly, this is something we're very passionate about, passionate about, Yeah, and I think the time speaks to that, and I think it's well-earned time. It's an important conversation to have. Definitely. Um, Yeah, and just, like, thank you for listening, and thank you, Amanda, for letting me be vulnerable today. I needed this. Oh, thank you as well. (laughs) This was great. Um, But thank you for listening. If you made it this far, we appreciate you. Um, and I've been Ellie. I'm Amanda. And this has been Getting There, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.